I believe that it's the heart of Jesus, and so therefore it's my heart as well to see us all encouraged. You know, sometimes we uh, think, well, I don't really have the uh, what it takes to share the gospel with a stranger. And, uh, you know, the thought of how... How will I uh, open up a conversation with someone I have no idea who is? And uh, I especially want to take the first couple of minutes here to those of you that have done some of that and have got discouraged. And you've kind of just given up, you know. And you're at a place right now where you're saying, you know, I know I should be sharing the word publicly with my neighbors, with... Can you all hear me well? And uh, so... You're saying, well, I should be sharing, but the last time I did, it just didn't go well. And uh, that's not the will of God for us. God does not want us to be discouraged and not share. God wants us to be encouraged. Uh, Hebrews says that, uh, but we see Jesus um, being made a little lower than the angels. And... Uh, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it become, became him for whom all are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So today, if you're in Christ, if you've repented of your sins, if you've called upon Jesus for salvation, if you've been baptized into Christ, then you're the brother of Jesus. Um, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. He says, I'll declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church where I sing praise unto them. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers, is Hebrews chapter 2, for as much as then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When we think of preaching God's word publicly, um, to me, it brings God great joy when we do it. I remember one time I was at, uh, at a gas station. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to preach here. And I said, Lord, I, I can't preach here in, the, in this gas station like this. And I didn't. And as I went out the driveway, my conscience, my heart condemned me. And I, a little while later, I promised the Lord, the next time I go to that gas station, I will preach. And you know, every time I drove past that gas station, I remembered that I should be stopping there to preach. And one day I did. You know, I was getting gas and thinking, okay, tonight I'm going to have to do it, you know. And what are people going to think? You know, so I got my little bucket out and I went up close to the entrance and I stood on the bucket and I preached for a little bit. And what great joy thrilled my heart when I left that gas station. I was faithful and I preached the gospel. Um, so one of the things that helps us when we go to preach the word publicly, whether it's talking to your neighbor, whether it's talking to a stranger, whether it's going to a city corner and standing up on a box and preaching, you might say, why stand on a box? Why not just stand on the sidewalk? Well, there's advantages to standing up on a box. The advantage is you're a little bit higher than others, and they'll stop and listen. They will pay respect to you. One night, I wasn't on a box, and uh, I was preaching, and a guy got angry, and he started hitting me. 
Well, had I been on the box, he wouldn't have done it. He would have respected that I'm up a little higher. Now, there's disadvantages to that. There's times where I've been preaching on a box and someone will come say, why are you up there shouting at me? And then I'll just quickly get down and I'll talk to him on one-on-one. Um, but some of the things that we face when we go to proclaim the word publicly is 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 real fear, real things that prevent us from enjoying it. And so I want to encourage us with a couple of thoughts. Um, firstly, we need to recognize the battle. When we go out to war, two armies come out, the children of Israel and the Philistines. The first thing that needs to be done is the battle needs to be recognized. There's one army sets itself in array. The other army comes and they either choose to engage or they say, I'm just going to have peace here and I'll become your servants. Well, so it is when we go to preach the gospel. We must put the battle in array and say, okay, here's the enemy. Satan has deceived my neighbor. He's deceived my friend. He's deceived my father, my brother, whatever. And I am the agent that is going to bring Satan down. So we have to, we have to recognize the battle. And then we have to say, okay, now are we able to conquer this one? And we'll look at it and say, well, what am I going to say? If I go to my mother and talk to her about Jesus, what is she going to think about me? You know? What was helps us is, and the reason I'm sharing these things, I'm not going to share with you how it should or shouldn't be done. There's many different ways to share the gospel. Those of you that know, I love to get up on a box and preach. I love to hold gospel signs and put signs on vehicles and bumper stickers. I just really think it's a good way to do it. But today, I don't want to be talking about that. Rather, I want to talk about how we can engage our hearts when we're in the middle of fear and just like... Um, so recognizing the battle. What am I going to do? What am I going to approach? What needs to be done? But it's we know that the only way that we can do this is understanding who our captain is. Hebrews said that it's, he's the captain of our salvation is Jesus Christ. So when you have two armies coming together, the captain is the one we take our orders from. So here's Jesus is my captain. So that's one of the first things that needs to be done when we're recognizing the battle. Here's what we want to do. Who's my captain? It's Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord, what should I do now? I was in Dublin, no, in uh, in Ireland. We were in the city streets of Cork preaching. And we're on a big, big uh, stone wall and we're preaching and and the Lord is really blessing it. There's a hundred people gathered and listening to us. And after a little while, the other brother was preaching and I was walking down the street and all of a sudden the Lord said, get up on that thing there and preach. And I'm thinking, well, is there anyone going to be here? Who's going to listen? But I did. I got up on that little, there's a little pipe about this big so that people can't drive through the streets. The, the town centers, for those of you know that in England and Europe, the city centers, you can't drive through. It's just walking. It's a great place to preach. People walk by the hundreds and the thousands down to the city center to do their shopping. Not every parking lot, not every store has a parking lot. Instead, you park outside the town and you walk down the streets to go do your shopping. So I'm up in this little pipe, and the Lord says, I want you to say um, something. It was something about in James about if you see your brother in need, and you don't help him, how can the love of God be in you? And that's all I was supposed to say. And I saw a man coming down the walks, and I believe it was for that man there. So 
the key is, all right, here's the battle. This is what I'm going to do. I believe God wants me to go talk to my my mother about salvation or my neighbor. All right, now what next, Lord? When do I go? What do I say? Um, but the thoughts that come up in my mind, like, all right, how how is she going to be how is she going to respond? Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter ten, he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Some of us here, sitting here in this room right here, have strongholds against witnessing, don't we? Some of us just really tremble that we have to take a gospel tract and give it to the stranger at the gas station. It's a stronghold. I mean, it puts us down. And we say, God, please help me. I want to, I remember one time a brother took me away and I, I went into the hospital with my daughter to get an opera, uh, get a treatment done. And I said, here's a gospel tract. I want you to give this tract away until I come back. And he told me later it took him 30 minutes of wrestling with God in prayer. What are the people going to say? You know, you know the thoughts that come, but he did it. It was a stronghold, but it came down. Here it says, casting down imaginations or reasonings, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Paul says, we cast down, casting down imaginations or reasonings. And everything that exalts itself against or above the knowledge of God. God says, preach the gospel. Our mind says, but what about this? That's an imagination or it's a reasoning. Now, we need to take that and we need to cast it down. And the rest of the verse tells us how to do it. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of unbelief, the thoughts of doubt, there's a place to take those thoughts. It's bring them into captivity. Captivities are like a prison place. There's a place for those thoughts to go to, which can be the prison and the prison is the captive is Christ, the obedience of Christ. Christ is far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion. Every name that is named in this world, right here today, when you leave here to go home, you're going to get gas on the way home. That fear is going to come up and say, I should pass out a track. Oh, I hope I don't have one in the van. And then you look in the dash and there's one. And you say, okay, Lord, help me. How am I going to do this? And you know, you start trembling. But take that thought, captivity. Put it into the place where Jesus has put it, under his feet. Okay? So what we see here is we need to take those strongholds, cast down the reasonings, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You might say, is it really worth to preach the gospel in America? That, maybe that's what you're thinking right now. That can be a stronghold too. Um, I had, a, I had a, a lady I knew from New Jersey. I went to buy horses in New Jersey for my brother. I bought two horses from her over a period of two months' time. And one day I'm at the one place and she calls and said, I have a horse. And immediately the Lord said, you need to share the gospel with her today. And those thoughts and those fears start rising up. But I, I just write a determine in my heart, okay, I'm going to share the gospel. We get to the house, we look at the horse, I buy the horse, and I give her a tape, and I give her a little little track, we talk for maybe 10 minutes. And then another man on the farm, we talked as well with this other man, and I encouraged them, none of them were believers, she thought she might be, he wasn't, 
They weren't related. I said, just take these CDs and tracks that I've given you, or uh, tapes, listen to them, and then pass them around to each other. That night I called Mary is her name. I said, Mary, I said, how did you do with the little book that I gave you to read? The little, the, the tract. And she says, well, she said, I read it and I thought that I was a good person. I thought that I would go to heaven because I thought I was a good person. But in there I read that if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, I hate, hated my sister. I could not stand my sister. When my mother dies, I was going to move out of the house and I wasn't going to be around my sister because I couldn't stand her. But when I read that, I prayed and I said, God, please take this hatred away from me. And he did. And I shared with her for 30 minutes and I shared the concept of being born from above, being born again by the spirit of God, being born from above. When a person gets born from above, his beginning changes. He is no longer from this world, but he's now from another world. And that's what happened to Mary that night. We spent a wonderful time of fellowship on the phone praying, and two weeks later she was killed by her ex-husband. Um, so it is worth it to share the gospel. I don't know why she was killed, but I believe that she went back to be reconciled to him, and he killed her. Um, so it's worth it to share the gospel. I have a... Um, a good friend of mine is a Muslim. He comes to our produce stand every week to buy produce. And the first time he comes in, he's just really obnoxious. And he comes from Pakistan, and they're used to bartering. You know, you want $10 for the flour, I'll give you six. And that's all I'm going to give you. I want five flowers at $6 a piece. Just really loud, loud. A couple of weeks of that, he starts calming down. And now we're really good friends. And... uh Two weeks ago, it's been a year now, year and, f- year and three, four months, and I've shared Jesus with him, and uh, I've asked him to consider, I gave him CDs, and he's been very intrigued with our life. So two weeks ago, I said, Nive, what do you think about me? He said, you're a good person. You're, you're a nice man, he said. I said, what do you think about my Jesus? And it's 1030 at night, he has to go home to New Jersey yet, and he said, we're going to talk. Next week, we'll talk. We'll go out to the Smogosport next week, the buffet, and we'll talk. Unless Ramadan starts that day. I'm not sure if I'm going to start it that day or not, but we'll talk. So the man is placed where he's open to talking. Um, and I'm encouraged with that. I have asked God, and God has bore witness that he's going to save his soul. And I'm hoping it's soon. You pray for Nive. Nive, he's a very influential man. He's, uh yeah. So what we've learned so far now is we need to be encouraged. These thoughts and fears about what are people going to say, they're strongholds, but they can be broken by Christ. There's a place for them to go, the captivity that Christ has made, the prison house for those thoughts. They're under the feet of Jesus. He took the law of ordinances that was against us. He nailed it to his cross, spoiling principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, either this word is working in your hearts now or it's not. It's going to depend on whether you believe it. Inside of us, God has given us his spirit. Those of us that have been born of him, we have his spirit. You might still be sitting here and thinking, but it's not going to work for me. And as long as you think that way, you're deceived in that area. The Bible says the same power that has raised Christ from the dead does what? It works 
in our mortal bodies to those of us that believe. Sometimes we hear people say, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But the rest of the verse says, according to the power that works in us. The power of Christ, God is able to do way more than what we can ask or think, but it's according to the power that's working in us. And if the power is not working in us, God's not going to do it. Have all my preaching, proclaiming the words publicly been successful? There's been times I was really in the flesh. It didn't profit. I was in the flesh. Did I want to be in the flesh? No. Um, so we learn, we grow, we... we um, a thing that uh, really takes us from the fleshly side of it and puts us into the spirit of Christ is when Paul, he's at uh, Athens, I think it was, in Acts 17. He's in uh, the city of Athens, Athens, Athens. Maybe we'll have to go there. Athens, thank you. Um, he was there for a little while, and it says here in 17, Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy to come to him. And while he's waiting, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw that the whole city was given over to idolatry. When we see our neighbor or our friends or our city given over to a certain sin, it should grieve the spirit inside of us. And what did Paul do? He disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace daily. And we can do that as well. Even if we live in Lancaster County, every day we can do this if we choose to. So, this brought him to a place where the people said, what's this babbler going to say? He's talking about another strange God, and they said, come on, Paul, tell us. And he takes them out, and they put Paul in the middle of Mars Hill. I don't know how big it was, but I believe it was a hill. Why on the hill? So that everyone could hear him. And they said, tell us, tell us about this new God. And you know the rest of the story. He tells them about this unknown God, which is God, the creator. Um... So let us be stirred into going preaching, whether it's to Walmart, to the gas station, wherever it may be. Let us be stirred to go by the Spirit and not by doing a certain thing, doing it a certain way. And that's okay if we know other, if we don't know any other way except to do a little form or a little method, that's fine too. God is well pleased if, if we go out and do it in, a, in like in a method, that's fine. I went to Ireland a year and a half ago. And I, I was zealous to pass out tracts. I mean, we got off in the streets there in uh, Skibbereen, and and I'm out with Brother Seamus, and and uh, I mean, I got my gospel tracts, and I'm passing one out just to every person that's coming down the walk. And we get in the truck, and after a little while, he says, you know, he says, when I go to town, he said, I like to know um, the reason that God sent me to a town. He said, when I leave town, I want to know that at least I met one person that was a an encounter, that I was supposed to meet that one person. Then he'd tell me stories about how he would go and he'd meet, you know, meet a few people, but this one person he knew that he was supposed to meet. That hadn't happened to me that day because I was so carried away with passing out tracks to everyone that I wasn't hearing from my father. Did God use it? I'm sure he did. <clears throat> but I just want to... Um, So there's there's error. I mean, there's not error. There's there's weaknesses or faults to someone who has the gift to be an evangelist. Some of you say, well, if that's just your gift, you can do it naturally. Yes, I can. Sometimes so naturally that I forget to ask God to help me. That might be my weakness. Your weakness might be 
forgetting to ask God to help you too. And then you just don't do it. Uh, so we see from the heart of Jesus that he wants us to be encouraged. Whether we're doing it and doing it too much or whether we're not doing it at all, God wants us to be encouraged because Jesus is not ashamed to be our brother. Called our brother back to the battle. So where's the battle? Okay, Lord, show me. Give me one person that I can witness to in the next two weeks. One person, Lord. Are we asking too much by asking God to give us one person for the next two weeks? I don't think so. All right, Lord. And then the battle starts. We see the person coming. Down the road he comes. We know it's him. And now what are we going to say? We know it's the person we're supposed to talk to. All right, God, help me here. And, you know, then we wrestle and we overcome. Praise God. Um, it is the heart of God that we are always like the disciples in Acts 8. Acts chapter 8, little background here. Holy Ghost is given. We saw the battle this forenoon about how they had they were praying for more. God came again with his spirit. They're cast into prison. Um, Stephen is stoned. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 8, verse 3. It says, As for Saul, he made havoc of all the church, of the church, entering into every house and, and taking men and women, committing them to prison. And it says, Because of that, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. So what the Bible is saying here in Acts 8, verse 4, is because of the persecution, they were scattered abroad, and everywhere, as they went, they, they were preaching the word. Um, that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I need you to ask me how I'm doing with it. That's what you want to do the rest of your life. You want to go everywhere preaching the word. That's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus wants us to do everywhere we go, whether it's up the road to the grocery store or whether it's down the street to the center town or when we go fishing with our boys or when we go buying new dress material with our girls. It's the heart of God that everywhere we go, we would go preaching the word. And what is the word we're supposed to preach? Repent. What shall we repent from? Give them the things they should repent from. For the Jews in Acts 2, it was that they crucified the Savior. Repent from, from thinking he was the wrong man. Believe on him. In Acts 2, they had already believed that he was the Messiah. Otherwise, they would not have cried out saying, What shall we do, men and brethren? They realized they crucified the Savior. And they said, What shall we now do? So it's always repent. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. And the evidence of faith is baptism into Christ. So when the disciples here went preaching, scattered abroad in Acts 8, 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching. We know that so far from Acts, beginning of Acts until now, that every time someone repented and believed, they were immediately baptized. Acts 2, 3,000 people were baptized on the spot. They saved themselves by, well, no, by repenting and by getting baptized. Some did not save themselves. Some did not repent. Some did not get baptized, but 3,000 of them did. A little later, we see more getting daily the Lord added to the church, such as should be saved or such as are being saved. So we see from Acts 2 onward that everywhere 
It's repent, believe, and be baptized. Paul says we've been buried with him by baptism into death. So we're buried with Christ by baptism into death. So that likewise, as God has raised Christ from the dead, also should we walk in the newness of life. That's the word they preached here. Yes, we know there's more words too. Jesus, he's the one that came, a bruised reed. He's not going to, you know, the, the whole line list there. He came to heal the broken, the brokenhearted. And so when we, God wants us to be encouraged here today that we would preach. That's to the unbelievers. There's also uh, that thing of, you know, giving, preaching the word publicly to, no, that's not publicly. That's when we meet each other. We need to encourage each other to love and good deeds. But I guess that would not be preaching publicly. Rather, it would be preaching just as we see each other. But um, we do not need to wrestle. Uh, well, we do. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, might, dominion, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. But it's there's a place for rest for the people of God. If you're here today, you've been born again, the Spirit of Christ is dwelling inside of you. When you have these fears, just humble yourself and say, God, I don't have what it takes, but would you please come and help me? There's a place of rest. And in that rest, in, the, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And the, the goal for proclaiming the word publicly is so that others could join in the fight. Did you know that if 20 of us here today would all lead one soul to Christ this year and disciple him, and next year, the, the 20 of us that would do that, and next year, the 20 that we also led to Christ, now there would be 40, And then the next year there would be 80. And each year we would bring one to Christ and disciple him. And the one we bring would also bring one to Christ and disciple him. That in, uh, I think it's nine years, there would be 10,000 people following Christ in nine years. Um, that's, that is not impossible. It is not impossible for us to bring one person to Christ this year and disciple him. That is not impossible. Um, so, again, the way to be encouraged is uh, reckoning ourselves dead to those, those things that, that come in the way, but alive unto Christ.